Today's show is brought to you by the brand new book, Profit From Your Podcast, available today, September 28th. Check it out at ProfitFromYourPodcast.com. Episode number 742. Are you born interesting? Is this something that we can learn to do? I asked you, what do you think of when you hear the word interesting? And you replied, I did some research into the attention span of humans. And if you've heard that thing about how humans have the attention span of a goldfish, you definitely want to stick around. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. This is where I help you start your podcast and grow your influence. How do you grow your influence? By holding people's attention. We're going to talk about that today. Now, if you want to start your podcast, it's super easy. Go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER. That's L-I-S-T. E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And being that it is a last question, the last question, it's the last episode of the month, which means it's time for the question of the month. And I've been kind of obsessing over what the heck is interesting. And that's the first thing that you guys let me know, and I never realized this, because I think I use them interchangeable, is I thought I was saying interesting, and apparently I'm saying interesting. And so to kick this off, my buddy Craig from Inglaeus Podcast and many people pointed this out that Dave, you you have this weird Ohio thing going on. I had no clue. Hi, it's Craig here from Inglaespodcast.com, where we help Spanish speakers improve their English. And we do that by teaching them grammar and pronunciation and things like word stress and syllable stress, which can be pretty boring. So How can we make it interesting? Well, in British English, interesting is often pronounced with three syllables. Interesting. The first syllable is stressed. Interesting. On the other hand, my friend Dave Jackson from Ohio puts an extra syllable in there. Listen to the pronunciation in American English. Interesting. Interesting. And notice that Dave doesn't pronounce a hard T sound. He says interesting. Interesting. Not interesting. Anyway, I think that's interesting. And doing things like that, using, for example, my friend Dave from Ohio to bring a story into the explanation of word stress, we hope makes our content more accessible and more engaging. So if you have an information-based podcast how can you use stories and personalization to make your podcast and the information more memorable and more interesting? And that's why I love my audience. He's using a story. I, how cool is that? Thank you, Craig. Thank you so much. And I will try to now say interesting. In, I, you know what? Say it however you want. Uh, but I, I had a few people, both of which uh, are speaking Spanish, that said, you say that kind of different. Not wrong. Just different. This is Thomas Umstadt with the Novel Marketing Podcast. And when you asked about what makes something interesting, you piqued my attention. I think what makes something interesting has a lot to do with the curiosity gap. This is the space in between what we know 
in what we want to know. And the challenge as a podcaster being interesting is that every person knows different things and wants to know different things. And this is why having a focused audience is so important. What some people want to know is what others already know. You don't want to sound like the professor talking too far advanced of the students where they have no idea what you're talking about. And you also don't want to tell people what they already know. So the key to being interesting is to know your audience and pick a specific audience. If you're speaking to beginners, speak just to beginners. And if you're speaking to experts, speak just to experts. That is how you're interesting. This is Thomas Umstadt with the Novel Marketing Podcast. You can find my podcast at novelmarketing.com. Keep up the great work, Dave. Love the show. The old attention gap. I love that. Thank you, Thomas. And I, I'm going to say this now, and I won't say it after every clip because it gets really boring. And that's the whole goal of today. Uh, don't be boring. Uh, and that is I will have links to everybody's show out at the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 742 because today is episode 742. Dave, this is Harris from Wild Talk, an XFL podcast. We're on hiatus now until the beginning of the new XFL season, but I wanted to respond to your question, what does interesting mean? To me, something is interesting if it's something you didn't know and it influences your opinion on the subject. Hope that's helpful, Dave, and thanks for all you do for the podcasting community. Thank you, Harris. I like that tag on there, and it shapes your opinion, which means it was important. Hi, David. This is Orlando Mergal with the podcast Hablando de Tecnología, which you guessed it. It's about technology. And Orlando was the guy that said, hey, in New York, we say interesting because we don't have time for that extra syllable. Our definition of technology is science-based problem solving. So under that umbrella, you can go from the wheel to the space station and everything in between. And we have. You can find us at www com. Now, let's talk a little bit about the word interesting. When something is interesting, it makes you think. And when you think, you tend to look at things from different angles. It can bring groups of people together, and it will keep them together as long as it continues to pique their interest. When it doesn't, they fall apart. It's the first step towards action of any kind. And of course, without action, there isn't any change. So I guess you could say that interest is also the precursor to change of any kind, which in turn is what drives history. And just to prove my point, when it comes to podcasting, if it isn't interesting, you're history. <laughs> so it all ties together. Interest drives change. Change drives history. And if you're a podcaster and you're not interesting, you're history. Keep up the good work, my friend. Orlando makes some great points, and I'm going to talk about that. It's one thing to get somebody's attention. It's a whole other thing to keep it. And I'll explain why that's almost impossible. Dave Jackson. This is Gary Green. I am with Podcast Fast Track. I have a handful of podcasts, Podcastification is one. The Morning Mindset is another. And you asked what comes to mind when we hear the word interesting? Well, for me, what comes to my mind is that someone once pointed out to me that the word interesting is kind of an all-purpose word. I mean, you can have somebody say something to you that's just totally wacky, you know, and you think they're off their nut and you say, hmm, that's interesting. Or 
you could have someone say something to you that's entirely fascinating and you really are interested and you could say, hmm, interesting. Or you could have someone say something to you that you absolutely don't agree with, even though the person saying it is saying it with all the passion in the world and all the zeal in the world. And you say, hmm, interesting. You see, that's what comes to my mind when I say the word interesting. But I think when we get to the literal meaning of the word, of course, it means that if you're saying that word, you mean there's something in what is being said or what you're observing or what you're seeing that is intriguing to you. It's eliciting curiosity. It's making you wonder something. And I think it's a good thing to be interested in things. I think our world would be a much better place if we tried to be interested in each other and in our experiences of the world. You know, this whole thing that's going on with racism and violence and all of that, you know, if we could just stop for a bit and listen to each other and truly be interested in why the people who are on a different perspective than ours are there, what is it they've experienced and how has that brought them to the place they are, I think we would find ways to start getting along a little better, maybe, perhaps. So anyway, that's what I think of when I think of the word interesting. Hey, thanks, Dave. Appreciate all you do. Go make it a podcastificating day. Thank you, Carrie. I have a bumper sticker kind of tag coming up that will explain exactly what you're talking about. Hi, Dave. This is Andy from Colmillo Roquero. Our website is C-O-L-M-I-L-L-O-R-O-Q-U-E-R-O.com. This is a podcast done in Spanish completely, where we talk about hard rock and heavy metal. We do album reviews, talk about heavy metal and rock stuff. All the interesting facts, stories behind the songs and all this. There's a lot of talent down here in Costa Rica for you to know. Bands and all this stuff. Anyway, you ask what comes to my mind when you say interesting. Being someone that is not a native speaker of English, I can relate to the question when you try to explain this to someone else. For me, interesting is something that is different, something that is not the average, something that is outstanding, something that is remarkable, something that actually engaged me. Hopefully, this can be able to add value to your audience. Thank you so much for all the insight and all the information. Been learning so much from you the last few months. So I really appreciate all your help. Keep on going. Rock and roll. Next up, we have Brandon. Hello, Dave Jackson. This is Brandon from the Florida Focus podcast. What do I find interesting? Uh, this is twofold. The first thing I find interesting is what you've been preaching for a long time. Only three to 5% of your listeners will engage you. And I would actually love a negative review, but I am yet to have one. Now, as far as the content for podcast, um, I've always liked your laugh, cry, grown, educate, entertain. So the laughing part, I actually do a lot of during the podcast rodeo show. And then probably the bigger thing, though, is the educational value. So what am I learning? So um, several podcasts give me that kind of content. So that is what I find interesting in the podcast world. Again, Brandon at FloridaFocusPodcast.com. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you, Brandon. Next up, we have Bill. Hey, Dave. This is Bill Monroe with The Stroke Cast, where a Generation X stroke survivor explores rehab, recovery, the frontiers of neuroscience, and one-handed banana peeling. You can find the show over at strokecast.com and, of course, in the regular podcast places. Usually when I say something is interesting, 
what it means to me is I don't know what I think about it yet. Uh, I might think it is really cool or new or thought provoking or something. It's provoking an emotional reaction in me, but I haven't sat with it long enough to really tie a specific emotion to that experience or that piece of content or whatever it was that I uh, I found interesting. I suppose you could think of the word interesting as sort of an internal brain filler word almost. Uh, maybe it's sort of a like a neural um or ah or like or something like that. As I take in information and think, oh, that's interesting. That means I'm going to have to do something with that later file it away, attach an emotional response to it, attach a memory to it, maybe build a project plan around it. I don't know. It's sort of that preliminary catch-all for stuff that is going to require further work. Maybe it's like an email in the inbox that you don't immediately delete, but you're going to have to deal with later or that you're just going to have to sit on. Anyway, that's sort of what I think about that concept. Maybe uh, think of it as an I something that's interesting, maybe is sort of an idea purgatory or uh, uh, an idea brain buffer or something like that. It's it's sort of that that stage that still requires more processing. Those are just some thoughts on the concept of interesting. Again, this is Bill Monroe with the Strokecast at strokecast.com. Hope this helps and have a great day, Dave. Next up, we have a member of the School of Podcasting, Miss Kim Newlove. Hi, everyone. This is Kim Newlove from the Pharmacist Voice podcast. I host a weekly journey-style podcast about my career change from pharmacist to voice actor. Okay, I'm going to jump in here. Remember what Thomas said? The curiosity gap. How many of you right now go, wait, she's doing what to what? And you're curious about it, hence it's interesting. And Kim is interesting. In fact, she'll explain more on how being interesting has its privileges. The solo shows are about my career change, and the interview shows feature a variety of people who use their voices to advocate, educate, or entertain. And my website is thepharmacistvoice.com. Interesting is a word that made my podcast popular in parts of the world I did not previously have listeners, like the United Arab Emirates. Here's what happened. This might remind you of how a silver ball bounces around the inside of a pinball machine. What got the ball rolling was a LinkedIn post with the hashtag, who is a pharmacist? All one word, hashtag who is a pharmacist? I posted that I'm a pharmacist, voice actor, podcast host, and volunteer. That post was interesting to thousands of people, according to the number of views I had. I made over a 100 connections on LinkedIn from that one post. One of those connections became a guest on episode 25 of my show because I found him to be interesting. He's from Pakistan, but he lives in the United Arab Emirates. He's a pharmacist, but his practice sites include oil rigs, remote sites in the desert, oil barges, and more. He is the only pharmacist I know who occasionally has to take a helicopter to get to work. That's interesting to me. Apparently, our podcast episode was interesting to others because listeners from the Middle East tuned into that episode, and they continue to be listeners more than 10 episodes later. They found me interesting enough to connect with me on social media as well. 
I post each of my podcast episodes on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Because I was interesting to one person, I now have listeners in new countries and more eyes on my social media posts. Every time I do something interesting, they like, comment on, or share it. It keeps the ball rolling. Thanks again for the question, Dave, and happy podcasting, everyone. Thank you, Kim. And again, pharmacists with an S on that, pharmacist voice. And to understand attention, we had, uh, or being interesting, meaning holding someone's attention, I had to figure out how long is somebody's attention span? What kind of shot do we have? And you may have heard that humans now have the attention span of a goldfish. It's getting shorter and shorter. And I'm going to tell you what I found out about that right after these lovely words from Shane Whaley from the Torpreneur podcast. So you want to start a podcast or you want to improve upon your current podcast, or maybe you have a podcast and you want to launch a new podcast and you've forgotten how to get it in iTunes and all of that RSS stuff. If you're anything like me, when I go on Facebook, I am seeing tons of these gurus, these podcast coach gurus. And I do a bit of digging because they tell me I can have a seven-figure podcast. Who doesn't want to have one of those, right? Millions of downloads, new and noteworthy. I want to be the next John Lee Dumas. But when I dig into it and I look these guys up, most of them don't even have their own podcast. Now, I don't know about you, but would you hire a plumber who's never fixed a leak in the bathroom before? Would you hire a swimming instructor who can't actually swim? No, of course you wouldn't. So if you want to hire a podcast coach or you want to join a school that will help you build your own podcast, then look no further than the School of Podcasting. Let me tell you something about Dave. I've been following the guy for years. I'm a graduate of School of Podcasting. And here's some real facts. And you can go and look at this online. I've been able to build, produce, and host two podcasts that gave me a five-figure income. And that is purely because... I was able to work with Dave. Dave took me by the hand. He flattened that learning curve and he helped me build podcasts. So if you're looking to build your podcast, start a podcast, grow a podcast, look no further than the the real deal. Podcasting, how many years, Dave, since 2005? Uh, 15 years of podcasting. You have all that experience and Dave will help you build your own podcast. You can check mine out at tourpreneur.com, spyberry.com, And this is the problem, but following Dave, I've also got a third one, RadioGDR.com. Wow. Thank you, Shane. I deeply appreciate that. I believe I owe that man at least a beer now. (laughs) Use the coupon code listener when you sign up at schoolofpodcasting.com. Now the fun part. If you could see my page right now, I've got so many notes on this. So the first thing we need to talk about, and this is something I want you to start doing. I'm not going crazy with, you need to question everything, but you might want to question some things. If you've never heard this, there was, I mean, Time Magazine, all these different places mentioned that the attention span of humans is getting smaller and smaller. And if you repeat something enough times, eventually people will start to think it's true. Sometimes this is called the illusion of truth effect, the validity effect, truth effect, or the reiteration effect. And if you Google human attention span, you're going to see this whole goldfish headline over and over and over. And if you're not familiar with it, again, 
the human attention span had shrunk from 12 seconds to nine seconds. And this is supposed to be less than the attention span of a goldfish to which goldfish, I think were really, really offended. Like I'm not reading your paper anymore. And why wouldn't you talk about this study? Because wow, that's pretty interesting. What nine sec? Really? And it did come from Microsoft. In fact, I've got a link to the PDF right out at schoolpodcasting.com slash seven four two. And like I said, places like Time, USA Today, The Guardian, and many, many more quoted this. Can you put up some air quotes for me? Study. And none of those quoted the source. And it sounded like it was legit because it said it came from Microsoft, but it wasn't Microsoft Global. It was the Consumer Insights team of Microsoft Canada who surveyed, notice they're surveyed 2,000 Canadians, and the actual study was on the activity of 112 people as they carried out various tasks. The part that everyone focused on, though, this is what blew me away, wasn't actually in the study. It was a footnote in the study of another source called Static Brain, and in a BBC article, yay BBC about this, they called the information on the Static Brain website infuriatingly vague. Then you hear another study where the average view duration of YouTube is between 50 and 60%. And most YouTube videos are fairly short. So you're like, wait, they only watched a few minutes of a video. that was a few minutes. Holy cow. Our attention spans are the size of a goldfish again, because that was repeated per nauseum, but it's just not true. I reached out to Rob Walsh, the vice president of podcast relations at Libsyn, and he provided me some stats. When he looked at the top 200 episodes in Apple, the average was 67 minutes. The median, which was up from 55 minutes in 2019, was up to 58 minutes. And in fact, 80.5% of the top 200 episodes in 2020 are over 40 minutes, which is up 6.6% from 2019. So our attention spans are fine. If we wanted to throw more things on this, and I'll have more of this in the show notes, think about how much we binge watch on Netflix. It takes five days to watch most of the shows in Netflix that you can that are bingeable, and there are people that will do it in 24 hours. So our attention spans are fine. And here is what I think is the issue. And this is just my opinion, but I think if you think about this, we just debunked the goldfish myth. I don't think our attention spans are smaller. In fact, I think where we've grown is in our ability to know what we want and to detect when someone is not giving us what we need. Our BS detector is through the roof. When somebody comes on a podcast and goes, well, it's Thursday and it's time for the show. Don't know what I'm going to talk about, but... Strap in, people. It's Thursday. It's time for this. No, sorry. I eject immediately because that person is about to waste 40 minutes of my time. This is why the beginning of your show is so important. And in my opinion, the beginning of your show should introduce the show, the School of Podcasting, where I help you start your podcast and grow your influence, and then introduce what we're talking about today, how to be interesting and what is interesting and how long is the average person's attention span. This isn't 1948 anymore. You're not Milton Berle going up against a test pattern. That's why Uncle Milty 
was the king of television. He was up against a test pattern. There were only four channels at that time back in 1948. Way, way, way. That's before my time. I don't get to say that too often, but that's before my time. So we need to let people know where they're going, how they're going to benefit, what they're going to get, and then get to it. It always starts here. Always. What is that? The first step that every podcaster has to master is knowing your audience. You've probably heard of Ron Howard. He's a very famous director and producer. Things like Splash, Cocoon, Willow, Parenthood, Backdraft, uh, Apollo 13, Ransom, man, that was a good movie. A Beautiful Mind, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Cinderella Man. You get the idea. The guy's had a few hits under his belt. While I was listening to Sirius Satellite Radio, and it was Kurt Loder, the old reporter from MTV, has a show in there called True Stories, and he was interviewed. Uh, he was interviewing Ron Howard, and listen to how Ron Howard gets his films ready. We did our first previews, and I, I was so defensive about it and against it, and I wound up learning so many important truths about our story that to this day, even the Beatles documentary, even though I have final cut, I screen the movies and I know how to ask the questions and I ask people to fill out questionnaires and things like that. And I find it very, very useful. It's, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. A lot of people object to that. They do. But I, I always think that it's like the playwright getting to see the show out of town, Mm -hmm. you know, before you take it to Broadway. I I don't think it's really any different than that. And again, I I have the confidence of having done it a lot and the power of of Final Cut so that this is about me understanding how the movie works. And and of course, I'll listen to executives and collaborators, but ultimately the buck stops with me. And so that's, you know, it's comforting on the one hand, but it's, I think it's really important to understand you know, how a movie is communicating with an audience. And that's what entertainment is, is something's communicated to you and, you know, you enjoy it, whether that's, you know, a serious idea or fantasy or comedy. And I love the fact that he was honest there and said, this is difficult. This is hard because you think about it. When we put all the time and effort into a podcast and then hand it to somebody and go, can you tell me what's good and more importantly, what I need to do differently with that? That is hard to do. I can help with that myself and Eric K. Johnson, who I'll be talking about in a bit. We have the podcast review show. If you just want to do it one on whatever you want to do, but you need to understand who your audience is and how your content is making them feel and think and make sure it's connecting. So what is interesting? Well, you heard other people say what they find interesting, but according to the dictionary, it's someone or something that is interesting and keeps your attention because he, she, or it is unusual, exciting, or has a lot of ideas. And if you're a regular listener of the show, you've heard me say this a billion times. For me, interesting means you're making me laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or you're entertaining me. Or even better, if you can do more than one, that for me is really entertaining. But some things you can do is you can tease it up a bit. And what I mean by this is you're going to have to keep people's attention, not just get them at the beginning, but keep their attention. And if you're going to explain something in a story, then build that up. If I say something like, I will never forget the day when I, et cetera, et cetera. Or if I say, I've only met one person that I wanted to punch in the face 
in podcasting. Or if I said, hey, let me tell you what I, I did today. Which one of those would you rather hear? Wait, wait, what was that thing about punching someone in the face? Right. So keep that in mind that is there a way to kind of tease up the story? Comedian Kevin Hart does this a lot. Here's a clip of him on Jimmy Fallon. Uh, the, the, this new movie is great. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got you got asked to meet the president of the United States. Huge. Huge. I mean, let me, let, let me, let me tell you why this was huge, Jim. So there you go. He's setting it up to where you go, oh, wait, I got to listen to this. So tease it up. Then use your voice. There are so many ways that you can use your voice. This could be me slowing down and accenting every single word that I'm saying and throwing in the occasional dramatic pause. Or you can also speed up your thing and say, I was trying to get the kids ready for school and I couldn't find their sock. And then, oh my gosh, where's the lunchbox? Wait a minute, it's 2020. Nobody uses lunchbox anymore, but you keep talking faster and faster and it sounds frantic and people are starting to get it just because of the way you're talking. So the pace can set the mood and it can also help paint that theater of the mind. If you're passionate about something, I've almost hit the microphone, the microphone about two or three times. Let that passion come through. I watched a TED talk by this guy named Caleb Warren, and he was talking about what makes things cool. And he said in advertising, the advertisements where somebody is smiling or showing some sort of emotion, it connects with the audience better. And think about this. What if Martin Luther King was boring? There he is standing in front of the podium in front of the Lincoln Memorial, and he says, I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls would be able to join hands with the little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. But that's not how he said it. He let his passion come true. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. So, yes, let your passion come through. And don't forget your tone of voice. Here's a fun little test. Take your phone, subscribe to your own show, hit play and put it under a pillow because all you'll hear is your tone of voice. And if you sound like this, that's pretty monotone. You don't have to sound like, hey, everybody, traffic and weather on the tens. Okay, all right. That's insane. But you do want to add some energy to your voice. You don't want to be boring. Um, don't be boring. Thank you, Glenn Hebert from Horse Radio Network. As I record this, there are 656,000 active podcasts. That means they've had an episode out within the last 90 days. There's over a million podcasts, but 656,000 active podcasts. And so I say that because let's say you do a weight loss show. If I don't like it, I'm pretty sure I can find another weight loss show. If I don't like your movie review 
show or your true crime show or your golf show, I'm pretty sure I can find another one. And that's one of the hardest questions to answer. How is your show different? And as I looked into what makes things interesting, a very fancy word came up, and that is autonomy. Now, or autonomous, if you are a person that is practicing autonomy or embracing your autonomy, autonomous is existing or capable of existing independently. In other words, you don't really care what other people think of you. And there is changing things up, trying things new. And what you can do with this is you don't have to go all in. You can try something that's new and then see if it works. And then if it does, well, then go back and add some polish to it. On my show, Ask the Podcast Coach, we were going to test to see if we could get a sponsor. And so I found a WordPress plugin, did an auction, and auctioned off the spot. And I still have people like, hey, when are you guys doing the next auction? And we didn't know if it was going to work or not. It could have blown up in our face. You have to go, eh, if it does, it does. But how else am I going to learn? And so autonomous, again, existing or capable of existing independently. There are people like comedian Bill Burr. It says his com- his comedy, he's a comedian. He said he really didn't take off until he quit caring what other people think. And there is good ways to be autonomous and other ways that are not. So, for example, I'm a musician. When I was growing up, I inherited my brother and sister's love of the Beatles. And one of their songs is called Help. It's a great song. And what's weird about it, what's completely different, holy cow, what'd they do, huh? Is the song Help starts with a chorus. And then it goes into a verse. And at that time, every song started off with the first verse, well, probably some sort of musical intro, then the first verse, then the chorus. But this just went right to the chorus. Holy cow. So then you say, hey, Dave, I'm going to be autonomous. I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to have six people in the same room, and I'm going to record them with a blue Yeti in the middle. And I I go, well, that is different. Mm -hmm. Yep, it is. Uh, Would it sound horrible? Yes, it would. So you don't want to be autonomous to the point where it's not, I don't know, common sense. I get, yes, being different can be a part, but it, it has to be a, in a good way. It has to be appropriate. And that, of course, is that fun word right there. Appropriate is something different to everyone. But let's look at Apple. Apple's a great example. Their products back in the day, do you guys remember the iMac? This weird little teardrop of a a, a computer and it was colored. It was made out of plastic. Everybody kind of hated it, but they tried it, right? Their products look different. And, you know, their slogan used to be think different. And so you want to think differently, but also be appropriate is always keeping in mind what works for your audience. And again, that is one of the hardest things to answer is how is my show going to be different? And yes, it's always going to be different because you're bringing in your history your experience, and your insight. But if you want to go deeper, that is a hard question to answer. And if you want to do something way out there, if you want to be a maverick, sometimes people call them that, oh, I'm a maverick. If you think about it, I did an episode a couple weeks ago, links in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 742. Tyler Perry is now a billionaire and he knew his content, keep in mind, his content after he tweaked it for seven years Doing what? That's right. Polling his audience and saying, what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? 
And he knew then that this should resonate with black audiences because they were underserved and nobody believed him. He did it anyway. And so I was listening to Howard Stern and he was interviewing Alanis Morissette. And I didn't realize she had done two albums in Canada and they were super like sugary sweet, almost Debbie Gibson kind of soup, you know, Britney Spears, kind of early Britney Spears, I guess I should say. It sounded like this. So you can, if you know a lot of set, and a lot of you do, we'll talk about that here in a second. You go, that's a lot of set. Yeah. Because what she did is she said, look, I have things to say. I want to sing songs that are authentic to me that are from my viewpoint. And so she wrote a bunch of new songs. She was 19 years old. And so she's trying to be her own. I'm going to do something different. I want to do something different. I can't stand singing this stuff anymore. And here's a little behind the scenes of that album. It was called, you've heard of it, Jagged Little Pill. And here she is on Jimmy 19, Fallon. Is that when you wrote Jagged Little Pill? Yes, started, yes. Started writing it? Yeah, started writing it. And is it, is it true that no one, no record labels were interested? They didn't want to sign no, you? Not an uncommon thing for rejection. Yeah, her actual record label, she went to them and said, I want to do this, not the sugar stuff. That's what I'm calling it, sugar stuff. And they went, uh, never mind. They dropped her. So she had no record label. And realize that when you go Maverick and you're doing something completely new, it may be a while before you find your audience. Um, we got a phone call to go meet um, Maverick, Guy Osiri, Madonna's label. Yeah. And I said, I'm in my sweatpants. I'm a mess. I can't go. And and they said, um, who cares? Get in the car and go. <laughs> go. So I met him uh, in my sweatpants. And, and I played, you. Yeah, Guy. You know Guy. I love Guy Osiri. And we played You Ought to Know and Perfect and had it in my pocket and he was very excited. Oh, my Gosh, I just want to remind everybody how giant this record was. It sold over 33 million copies worldwide. You can plug your ears if you want to. Um, 16 times platinum, diamond, won uh, four Grammys, 12 weeks at number one, three number one singles. This is like a legendary record. I loved it so much. It's so great. I was one of my all-time favorites. And one of the reasons that her label dropped it is when they looked at her songs, not all, but many of Alanis Morissette's songs do not rhyme. I, and it's one of those things I was like, really? And then when you go back and listen, you go, yeah, some of these definitely don't. And here's one. I'm broke, but I'm happy. I'm poor, but I'm kind. I'm short, but I'm healthy. Yeah. I'm high, but I'm grounded. I'm sane, but I'm overwhelmed. I'm lost, but I'm hopeful. Baby. Not a lot of rhyming going on there. And then the other thing that you got to remember, this was 19... 19- 95 and there were some groundbreaking things on this album number one is uh her one song you ought to know was it had the f word in it and again this is decades before you would walk into a bookstore and they would have an entire end cap of books where the f word has been asterisked out and speaking of the f word she also in that song you ought to know talked about fallacious visits to the cinema I think is how I'll say that to get around the children. And at the time, again, people were like, hey, have you heard the song where she's talking about the theater thing? And people were like, oh, my God. And then we all waited by the radio for it to come on. Or millions of people went out and bought the CD because it stood out. 
One other thing that makes Alanis very Alanis is if you've ever seen her sing, and this would also go for Celine Dion, there are certain people, uh, singers and guitar players all make faces and things like that. Alanis, I've noticed, sings from the left side of her mouth for whatever reason, and she must have serious projection because when she really starts to belt things out, she really snaps her head back, and it's kind of this weird, like, demented Pez dispenser kind of thing going on and opens her mouth real wide. But, man, the the words and the notes that come out of her mouth are amazing. Her new song, she has a new album out, and there's if you are a parent, you have to listen to the song Ablaze. There's a great video for it as well. And I, I was a fan of her in 1995. I kind of fell away, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, I, I've now rediscovered a lot of her old music. She was a person that didn't care and said, I want to do this my way. And that's scary. But when you find your audience, because it turns out there were, she, she talks about, well, I'll give you an example because I've done all this. I've now reconnected with her. She had three kids and had postpartum depression. And she's talked very openly about that. And all of these songs were very revealing. They were very vulnerable and they're very authentic. And consequently, she could then sing them in a different way because it really touched her. And you could hear the passion in her voice, uh, especially in the song You Ought to Know. She was one upset person there. And she also was doing, and there are a few people, the the singer uh, that sang Zombie, I forget her, uh, Jewel was doing this, this weird kind of hard rock yodel thing was going on. And that is something that you either like or you hate. It's like bagpipes. Bagpipes the harmonica and banjo are three things that I can take in small doses, but after that, I'm I'm done. And so when she does that little thing, you either love it or you tune out. And you have to be okay with people going, yeah, that's not for me. Yeah, 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 Another tool in the interest toolkit is, number one, doing your homework if you're doing interviews and knowing your guest. And sometimes you can... Use your vulnerability to inspire your guest to share something that they're vulnerable, that they're maybe a little tentative to be so transparent. I've played you this example before, but it's such a good one. This is Howard Stern interviewing Stephen Colbert. Stephen lost his his father and a brother in a plane crash, and this is Howard, and Howard gets him to talk about this by sharing a story about his life. Is it difficult for you to be around a crying woman now because of your mother? Wow, that's deep, man. Well, seriously. Yeah, deep, Howard. You're getting deep. No, seriously, that's a very deep question, Howard. But but when women are difficult, because your mom had to be difficult. She was going through a crisis. Not not difficult, but, you know. Upset. I think there's no doubt that I, I do what I do. Because I wanted to make her happy. You're no used doubt. to cheering up a woman. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I know of this. Did you cry? <laughs> really? Were Did you, you cheer up what? Were you able to cry? No, not publicly. Well, but, speaking well, of... Hold com- on, wait a second. Yeah, yeah. How do you know to ask that question? Because I spent many years cheering up your mother as well. I didn't want to tell you this. <laughs> no, no. What happened... My mother lost her mother when she was nine. Mm. And my mother became very depressed when her sister died. And mm-hmm. I spent a lot of years trying to cheer up my mother. Mm-hmm. And I became quite proficient at making her laugh and doing impressions and, 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 and doing impressions of all the people in the neighborhood. It made her feel... So I... I, I I wonder, and even to this day, when I see a woman in, in distress, I feel like I have to jump sure. in and solve her problem. That's not a that's not a bad impulse, though. Uh, well, it certainly makes for a career. Notice how surprised Stephen was 
at that question because Howard had done his research. Another example of vulnerability right now is Dak Shepard was sober for 16 years. He does the armchair expert. And he came out and said, hey, I actually relapsed a little bit with painkillers. And he said the reason for it was because of his audience. He says, I can't be at some show because I've talked about him doing live shows in the past. He says, I can't be at some show and some guy come up and go, hey, you inspired me. I'm seven years sober. He goes, when I'm sitting here and I'm not 16 years, I'm seven days. And so on one hand, he lied. But I totally respect the fact that he came out and said, yeah, I'm throwing myself under the bus. I'm being transparent. And people can identify with that. When you're not perfect, do not underestimate the power of your weaknesses. And I realize that type of podcasting is not for everyone. But I will also say this, if I'm listening to an ad from Dak Shepard, a guy that I now know has a hard time lying to people, and he says this product is good, he's now boosted his influence by sharing his weaknesses. So again, don't underestimate the power of your weaknesses. It can really help people connect with you. And I'm not stupid. I realize that in some cases, people are like, that guy lied to me, and they're going to bail. But the people that stay are probably going to have a deeper connection. I know people that do mental health podcasts that share all sorts of extremely vulnerable, transparent things that you would never say in public, at least you think, but they're sharing it with their audience because their audience hears that and goes, wow, I thought I was the only person going through that. And that is super powerful and it takes mental toughness. Holding people's attention requires mental toughness. We were talking about this, the school of podcasting. We do live group coaching and I combined that with my Patreon group the one night. So Felix from the Latin podcast awards brought up a really good point. And he said, you know, sometimes being interesting is based on where you are at a certain place geographically or where you are in life. There's all sorts of things. I mean, right now I have a book coming out today. You go to ProfitFromYourPodcast.com. That book is now released on Amazon. And consequently, I've been listening to books, books. I've been listening to podcasts about book marketing. Let's say you're a couple and you're getting ready to get married. So you start listening to marriage planning podcasts. And you're probably not going to listen to that after you get married because, well, the planning is done. You done did it. And if you're an astute podcast host, you should start a second podcast about how to survive the first few years of marriage so that when you grow your how to plan your marriage, they can transition to the how to survive your marriage podcast, you know, so you can continue to serve your audience. But keep in mind when you are obsessing over your stats that your show's interest may be seasonal. And speaking of obsessing over stats, I heard something that was an interesting way of explaining it. I was listening to my buddy, Eric K. Johnson. You know him as the podcast talent coach. And he was talking about how new podcasters obsess over their stats. So what did he do? He brought a story from his life and then used it to explain why you shouldn't obsess over your stats. And he said he and his daughter were planting tomatoes in the backyard. Now, right there, that phrase for me triggers the theater of the mind. I picture Eric and he's got overalls on. He's out there with his straw hat and his daughter. And for some reason, when he said that, 
they were planting tomatoes in my backyard. I could see the garage on the left and the fence on the right. But he said once they planted the tomatoes, his daughter was like, hey, should we go check on the tomatoes? And he's like, really, they haven't changed much since yesterday. And it was always like, can we can we go check the tomato? Well, you can if you want, but it really doesn't help them grow. And I said, that's a great example of what I'm always talking about, which is taking a story from your life to help make a point in whatever your topic is. So that's a great example of an interesting way. It's a story to illustrate a point. But I mentioned you had to be mentally tough to deal in the world of attention, which is what we are. As entertainer, as educators, we deal in the world of holding people's attention. And it's kind of a no-win situation. And let me explain why. Now, this, again, is just my opinion, but I think it's pretty true. And here's my examples. ACDC is a band that one could joke that that is the three chords they use in every song. Every ACDC song. Now, for the record, I've seen ACDC probably 10 times, going all the way back to my very first concert in 1978. So I've seen them many times. I am a fan of ACDC. However, have I bought, let's pretend we actually buy music, can we, just for the example, have I bought, say, their last four or five CDs? No mainly because I listen to them on Spotify. But if I was buying CDs, no, because on one hand, let's just take this. If you take their last CD and go back, let's say four and play it, play that one, whatever it is, you're going to kind of go, didn't we just listen to this? I mean, they are consistent. When you put on an ACDC CD, it's going to sound like ACDC. Meanwhile, you have people that take chances and they try new things. People like Lady Gaga, people like Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart for a while was singing old classic songs. I'm like, aren't you the dude that used to sing Hot Legs? Like, why is my grandma now listening to Rod Stewart? What is up with that? Uh, Madonna is a person that changes all the time. Notice these people are long, (laughs) they have long careers because they're willing to change. Now, here's the, the bad news is for the band that stays the same, if people like me, they're like, yeah, kind of boring, really. You know, the, the thing that I found that I loved was like, oh, man, they're so straightforward rock and, you know, but they stay the same. I, I really don't have as much teenage angst as I used to. So maybe the lyrics don't quite resonate with me anymore. So if you stay the same, some of your audience is going to go, yeah, whatever, heard them, been there, done that. So you're going to lose some of your audience. So the answer then is, well, maybe I need to change things up a bit. If you change things up a bit, there's going to be a segment of your audience that goes, what are you guys changing for? Come on, Metallica, just do 14 more versions of the Black Album. And they're going to leave because you're changing things up, which means if you stay the same, you're going to lose some of your audience. And if you change things up, you're going to lose some of your audience. And that's why I say, do you have the mental toughness to just realize that there are going to be times when your interest fails in your audience. Like for whatever reason, they just don't find you interesting anymore. I do this on a regular basis where I will listen to a show and I will just binge it. And then all of a sudden for about a month, they're like, yeah, that's enough of that. 
And then all of a sudden I will go back and I will then remember, oh, this is why I like this show. So you will have people that leave and come back as long as you're interesting still and leave and come back. And that's kind of where being consistent comes in handy. And by consistent there, I mean in your quality of content, in the amount of value. When they come back, they go, oh, yeah, this was really good. So keep that in mind that it is kind of rough. There are times when you're like, what's going on with my numbers? And it may be that it's seasonal. If you're doing a wedding show, those are really popular at the end of the winter and the beginning of spring because that's when people get married. It may be a football podcast and maybe when the season's off, you don't get that many downloads. So keep that in mind and also just keep in mind that your audience may change. Maybe they're not the people they were. You know, they they were your target audience and their life has changed to where they are no longer your target audience. Not any detriment to you, but their circumstance is just different. So as we kind of wrap this up, it's not the attention spans that are getting smaller. They're not. I really don't believe that. But it's more our ability to know what we want. And we really now have the ability to identify when we are not getting it and we turn it off. And I believe that's due to to Netflix and all the things that we watch on demand now, because there's only so much time that hasn't changed that we kind of can start to watch something and go, yeah, no, no, thank you. Just know your audience. I say that over and over and over because it really is where success starts for every single podcast and give them what they want. Be your honest, transparent, vulnerable self, and then answer the question, not how long should my podcast be, how long can I hold their attention? I'm Dave Jackson from the school of podcasting.com. That website has everything you need. If you want to subscribe, if you want to contact me, if you want to sign up, don't forget to use the coupon code listener. Everything we talked about today, you can find at school of podcasting.com slash seven, four, two. If you found this episode interesting, and I sure hope so. Put a lot of work into this. Please tell a friend. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. Here's about an hour of bloopers. Podcasting Sense 2005, I am your, your very own personal podcast coach, award-winning, Hall of Fame, don't know what I'm doing, blowing the intro like nobody's business. The website, schoolofpodcasting.com, use the coupon code SOP, SOP, yeah, no, um, listener, holy cow, really, you for, you blew it on the coupon code? Have you ever heard of Dax Shepard? He does a show called The Armchair Something that I will look up later. All right, I'm going to stop here. Remember Thomas talking about the something gap that I can't remember? Creativity gap? Nope, that's not it. The something gap where you buy jeans at the mall. Ah, geez, what was that called? Hey, this is not a blooper. This is Dave here at the end. We're 55 minutes in and you're still here. Thank you. Wow, so much. 
you may have noticed there's no question of the month for October. I actually mentioned it in a previous version. Hey, for the record, this is the second time I've recorded this. I didn't like the first one. It was even longer than this. And I was just like, we need to cut this down. There's no question of the month for October and maybe November. If you're new to the show, I'm in phase two of a three-part move. Phase one was moving my sister into a better house. That's done. Phase two, fixing the house I'll be moving into, which is where I'm at right now. If you've ever thought of being a patron or joining the school of podcasting, now would be the time. And then phase three will be me moving in. And that's going to be sometime in October. And question of the month. These episodes take an insane amount of time, especially the show notes, because I'm linking to everybody's website, making sure there's no typos and things like that. So I just can't do a question of the month in October and maybe not November. So uh, if you have any ideas, like Dave, you should use this question for the question of the month. I would love to hear it. So if there's a question of the month, that's it. What question would you like to hear for a question of the month? Thanks so much for listening. I really, really do appreciate it.